You are listening to the No Formula Podcast, episode number 42. Welcome back to where we chat with a different entrepreneur every week. From app developers, sales experts, and coaches, to authors and social media influencers, we focus on their journeys, how they built their businesses, and the lessons they've learned along the way. Together, we confirm that there is no formula to success. I want to thank all the listeners that have been supporting the No Formula podcast. For the chance of getting in the episode, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts and don't forget to subscribe. In this episode, we chat with real estate mogul Jazz Tacker, co-founder of REC Canada. Jazz is an author, investor, and host of the REC Experience podcast. Knowing he liked interacting with people at a young age, Jazz knew he would thrive in his sales position. So he started working at a car dealership. However, real estate investing piqued his interest after selling cars to three real estate investors. And now he leads one of the top performing brokers in the country. In this episode, we discuss how to strategically invest in real estate, how to create long-term wealth, and the current state of the Toronto real estate market. Listen to the REC Experience podcast and visit recanada.ca. In the meantime, keep listening to hear five ways to win at real estate in Canada. Hi, Jazz. Thank you so much for being on the No Formula podcast. How are you today? I'm amazing, Laura. Thank you so much for having me. I'm very, very excited to bring as much value as I possibly can to all your listeners and viewers. And, and, and again, thanks for having me. Thank you. I'm so excited to ask you about this because I've always been interested in real estate, but Usually when you look up for resources, they're either from the States and everything's pretty different there. And then every time you look for a Canadian resource, you're like, I've never heard of these people before. I don't know if I can trust them. (laughs) So I'm very excited to have a reliable source here on the No Formula podcast. And let's just get started with your journey. How did you get into real estate to begin with? Um, So real estate sales for me, which I've been doing for now coming up to 15 years, um, was what kind of happened by accident because, you know, I don't think there's anyone who who grew up um, wanting to be a realtor, Uh, maybe an investor in real estate, uh, but maybe that's that's probably later on in their teenage years. But no, I don't think anyone grew up saying, mommy, daddy, I want to be a fireman. I want to be a police officer and a real estate agent. But for me... For me, it was always sales and service. I, I at the age of eight, um, I still remember um, like so excited about about going door to door and selling Christmas ornaments, um, or being at the book fair, um, just being at the table and and uh, uh, positioning where I'm going to put the books and speaking to people and strangers. That never really scared me. Maybe scared my parents a little bit because I was. <laughs> willing to speak to all the strangers and then and then it was around 12 when it really clicked in when I got my first paper route um, because then I realized in a short period that that my friends weren't like they, they were shy of even at calling the the district manager and getting their own paper route so I would call and get a paper route uh, a, an addition to the one that I had and started brokering those to my friends and then and then, you know school all, all the whole time I was growing up, Laura, like I, I hardly, hardly passed school. I had a very tough time with 
more than school, it was class. I loved actually school. I loved going and socializing with people. Mm -hmm. um, it was actually my favorite part. I got up in the morning, got on the bus and was excited to get to school. But I always wanted to be in sales and service in some type of um, some type of role in sales and service. So then I got into shoe sales. I went into banking. And then I went into car sales and in car sales, I was being mentored by still to this day, he, him and his family um, in, in, in Brampton is the number one car dealer, uh, car dealers in the country. They have like eight, nine dealerships. Now at that time they had two or three or four. And um, I thought I was going to be there for a long time. I was like, this is my place. I'm being mentored by one of the top guys. I ended up being there for three years. But then I wanted to get into investing into real estate. So at the same time, though, in a month period, I sold three cars to real estate agents, like looking at their credit applications. I'm like, holy crap, these guys, uh, you know, they do pretty well. Um, and English might be their like third language, maybe second, but maybe third or fourth mm -hmm. language. I can speak English. Um, some might say it not well, but I think I speak it okay. Uh, and, and, and I love dealing with people. I love the wholesales, as I mentioned. And so I, I got into the real estate course here in Ontario. You get licensed in Ontario. It was done through correspondence. They sent it in the mail. Why I say by accident is because A, I met those three real estate agents in the month and sold them a car, but B, I thought I was actually gonna, I thought I was signing up to learn about investing into real estate. Once the book came in the mail, it, on the cover of it says, how to become a registered salesperson, a realtor, a broker, real estate agent, whatever you wanna call it. Mm -hmm. I said, oh God, I didn't think, I, did, I didn't know I was signing up for this, but I said, okay, I'm gonna go through with it. Um, I'm, I'm obviously glad I did uh, because now I now now I have a team of 33 realtors with my business partner. We have uh, a 10 support staff. We help a little over 700 buyers, sellers, and investors every single year. Um, and not to impress anyone here, um, really more to impress upon the amount of data that we have. We're the number one team in Royal LePage, Canada, which is out of 22,000 realtors right out of the country. Um, all of it, all of the credit goes to our 33 realtors and that 10 support staff. And I totally understand what you were saying at the start about um, just not having a lot of Canadian content or not having trusted authorities in the business. It's why I started my podcast mm -hmm. two years ago. And all, I do about 20 pieces of content daily on all the platforms talking about investing into real estate here in the greater Toronto area, um, as well as, as well as kind of documenting my journey through the ups and downs, even now, the amount of failures that we go through on a daily basis. I probably failed five times just before getting on this podcast. I failed getting onto this podcast. <laughs> the link um, and so I appreciate your patience through it um, and so it's why we, we we I have a little over 115 16 podcast episodes speaking about investing into real estate uh, for Canadians and, and investing in the greater Toronto area um, it's it's to me, I'm obviously biased because I'm born and raised here in Toronto. I, I was born and raised in the, in the north part of Toronto in an area called Rexdale, where not a lot of people want to say that they're from or definitely don't want to go in that area. But I'm so glad. It gave me a lot of thick skin growing up in that area. But I truly believe that Toronto, the greater Toronto area, is one of the safest places to invest for a myriad of reasons, which I'm sure we'll get into today. Okay, so side note from your journey here for a second, because everyone in Canada knows like Toronto and Vancouver are very much the hot spots 
for real estate. Do you think Toronto is getting saturated? Do you no. think the prices are like, because I see some condos for like $700,000. Yeah. So, so when you look at, and, and let me add more context to my answer yeah. by saying no, it's, it, it truly is because of supply and demand. So mm-hmm. when you're looking at real estate, you want to look at, okay, how much of it, how much, how many condos are there? How many homes are there? How many more can be built? And then most importantly, most importantly, how many people are coming into the greater Toronto area? So there's a reason why Vancouver and greater, and, and, and I like to call it the greater Toronto area. So for mm-hmm, you yeah. province listeners, it's that 70, call it 75 kilometer radius um, that my team covers as well. We have over three, we have over uh, uh, 200,000 people coming here year after year. That's into the greater Toronto area. So in the next 10 years, we're going to have 2 million people. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so knowing that we're going to have that, why are they coming? Well, first of all, they're coming here because again, again and this, this is going to definitely sound uh, uh, very Toronto-like to the outer province listeners. It is one of the best places to live in. We have the our multicultural uh, multiculturalism here is at its highest, probably in North America. Maybe New York kind of uh, uh, it comes close to us. Mm-hmm. All the major schools are here. The major uh, hospitals, the the all the banking industries here. All the major like all the five six major banks head offices are here. The tech sector is outpacing Silicon Valley in terms of the employment and how many jobs it's producing. So mm-hmm. it's why people want to come here. Okay restaurants, lounges, and all that is really cool. It's different. You'd be talking to the multiculturalism again. Like you can go to obviously get your Italian food, Indian food, and all that kind of stuff, but you can get, you want to get like German or Somalian food or, mm-hmm. or something else. But you, you can find a place here that not only has that type of food, but there's also a little Somalia, a little Germany, a little, <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like we yeah. all have that here. And so it's why people want to live here. And so when I said the 2 million people, let me, let me bring it, scale it back to yearly because the numbers are a little easier for me to work with. So we have 200,000 people coming here every single year, uh, again, for the next 10 years. That's 200,000 every single year. We need approximately 50,000 households, okay? We need to house the people that land in Pearson. The first thing they need is is a place to live. Mm -hmm. 33% or so um, um, buy. They actually buy when they land here. 30, and then the rest of the 66% either rent or live with family um, or live with friends. So, Needing 50,000 households, on a good year, we build about 38,000. The best year on record was 42,000 households that we've ever did. Happened a couple of years ago. So right away, you know that there's more people coming than there is actual homes. It's why values go up. It's just like if you walk into a bakery, right, Laura? Like if you walked into a bakery, there's 30 people lined up, but there's only, you know, 10 loaves of bread Mm-hmm. what's going to happen to the value of that bread it's going to be yeah. it's going to be more expensive real estate's the same thing so i because i just want to i just want to clarify this let's say i'm shopping in toronto and okay let's not say toronto let's say like brampton or something like that okay outside of toronto because toronto is very expensive we know that so one of the suburb areas and we find a condo for i don't know eight hundred thousand dollars that doesn't mean it's worth $800,000 though. Like you can still find a better value in another location, right? For sure. I just want to clarify, like, yes, there's a high, high demand, but for everyone listening, I just want to clarify that just because it's a high price doesn't mean you should pay for that. 
No, I mean, when it comes to values, in fact, mm-hmm. asking price, the what people are asking. So if they're asking 800,000, using your example, mm-hmm. it's irrelevant. It doesn't mean anything. You want to look at what value is to your point and how you do that. You look at what's comparable. What has sold that was comparable to that home or that unit? So if you said condo, like, for example, a condo for $800,000 in Brampton, very few are $800,000 because the values are not there. It doesn't support mm-hmm. it. You can get a one bedroom condo in Brampton um, for $400,000. You can mm-hmm. also pay maybe 550000 in the nicer area of, of Brampton. You know, if you look at downtown Brampton, for example. Mm-hmm. Now, you want to base it on what did something that was comparable sell for in the last month, two months, three months. That's how values determined. It's like if you were going to buy a, a used car. The way that value is determined in a used car, there's a there's a book. It's actually called a black book. It's like this thick. And if you're looking at a 2015 Honda Accord with 50,000 kilometers, this book, when you go into this book, it will give you a value. Like if it's mm-hmm. in mint condition, okay condition, rough condition, okay? Those, there's maybe three or four um, uh, ways that it's determined. But you'll get ranges on what that car is worth. It's the exact same thing with real estate. We just don't have a black book value. We use MLS, which is the multiple listing service. Mm-hmm. That is, re- like, uh, the public can have access to it and get values, get the sold prices of a home or condo that you're looking for. So if you're thinking about buying right now, it's one thing to get a list of, you need both, you need two things. You need a list of home or condos available in the area that you're looking. But I also want you to ask your realtor for a list of homes or condos that have sold in the area that you're looking for. So Mm -hmm. if you're looking for a two bedroom condo in Brampton, find out and get a list, a full complete list from your broker that he or she can get done in 30 seconds. Okay. Um, uh, uh, Two bedroom condos that sold in the last two months. Why? Because now you know what real value is. It, mm-hmm. it, it doesn't really matter what people are asking. I always laugh. I, I think everyone should just list their place for a dollar. Because at the end of the day, then we all have to go look and do the research to find out what something comparable has sold for. Mm-hmm. And also on a listing, doesn't it also say how much it's worth according to like the municipal value? Does that help now? No. No, so on a listing, you won't see uh, uh, what the municipal value is. That, that comes through what's known as a tax assessment, but that's not important. Some, oh, okay. some, are, some are valued, like we all get uh, uh, tax assessments in the mail once a year, and mm-hmm. that gives us a value. The tax assessed value means nothing. When you're thinking about selling or refinancing, and what I mean, why, like why I emphasize selling or refinancing, because when you're selling your home or condo, it always depends on what's, what, what did something else comparable sell for in the open market? Okay? Mm-hmm. What did another buyer pay for, for this type of home or condo? When you're refinancing, like if you wanted to get a higher mortgage on the property, then, then the bank that the lender or the bank that's going to set do the refinance for you, they're going to send a third party appraisal company to get a value. So the tax assessment, all that does is, is determine what your property taxes are going to be. Okay. Okay. Thank you for clarifying. Now let's just get right back into your journey. Just some quick questions about how you started REC. So that's Real Estate Canada. 
Yeah, so REC actually, REC stands for Real Estate Center. It's okay. REC Canada is our company. Um, okay. um, and how that started was with three partners uh, about 15 years ago. Uh, it was actually the Real Estate Center, which was a brokerage on its own. We're now under the umbrella of Royal LePage Signature, mm-hmm. um, which we did about 10 years ago. Because after five years of having our own we just realized like we we what we're really good at is this we like to do uh podcasts we like to meet people we like to do videos we like to do we throw a lot of parties we like to have a lot of fun it's all about marketing and sales and building relationships for us mm-hmm. what we're not good at and just it's just knowing what you're good at and knowing what you're not good at is all the back end stuff, the accounting, the human, like the actual HR. We love hiring people and growing our team. Um, and we're really good at that. But just the process of the processing of everything, all the paperwork, all that. Mm-hmm. Like with real estate, when you have your own brokerage, you have to have separate trust accounts and commission accounts, all that. That's just not what we're good at. It took a lot of bandwidth. It took a lot of bandwidth in here not yeah. on our, our servers, but in here. And we said, you know what? We're going to just stay in our lane. And what we're good at is marketing sales and building relationships. Let's let's merge with a company that's amazing at it, a franchise. That's what Royal Page Signature is. Um, that's their 4K. That's what they do really well. Mm-hmm. And so uh, we were lucky enough to come here after they've only been in uh, we're, we're, our head office and headquarters is at shops at Don Mills. Um, and so it's a beautiful location. The office is beautiful. 17, 18,000 square feet. Um, and so we were under, we were able to just go under this umbrella focus. And, and for everybody who's watching or listening right now, in my opinion, if you can hone in on what you're really good at and delegate the rest, you're going to have a lot more fun and you're going to do it a lot faster than, than, than if you try to a either do it on your own, or if you just wasted time on things that you don't like to do, like, I don't like to cut grass. And so I have somebody else do it. Now, my older brother, I got two older brothers. One of my older brothers, he cuts everyone's grass in the neighborhood. He doesn't charge them. He just loves doing it. He puts on his headset. He has a beer and he just cuts everyone's grass. Like that's, but he's winning. Him mm-hmm. doing that, that's what, it gives him his, it's escapism for him. He gets, he can listen to a podcast um, mm-hmm. or, or listen to an audio book. And so um, for him, that's what's, that, that's what's fun for me me even thinking about cutting my grass is something like it just doesn't make sense to me right oh my gosh your brother's going to be listening to this podcast while he's cutting grass so hi to jazz's brother Cam, his name is Cam. Big shout out to my older brother, Cam. Uh, uh, yeah, definitely going to be listening here. And uh, uh, for me, though, like I said, it's just, it's just not, it doesn't get me excited. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, but what, at one point were you like, oh yeah, I'm going to start my, my own bo- brokerage with two other people. Like wh- what, what kind of enticed you to take that leap? Um, look, it, 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 um, at one point it was one of the partners, it was, uh, his brokerage, he started it. Um, and then when we merged over to this company, so I was with him 15 years ago, um, and, uh, it was his brokerage. And then, uh, when we came over to the company here, we, we no longer were a bro. We're still kind of a brokerage within a brokerage, but actual legal terms, we're not a brokerage. We're not a brokerage anymore um, mm-hmm. because legally we're, we're licensed under Royal Page Signature. And, but at that time, we just decided, hey, look, 
we are going to do this on our, we're going to do this within uh, Royal LePage Signature umbrella, but he also realized he couldn't grow it by himself anymore. And that's when myself and my current partner, uh, we decided to do this together. Uh, we went, you know, we went from zero to 33 realtors. The original founder actually just passed away about two and a half, three years ago. Um, and so myself and my current uh, partner, Simos, um, we, we pretty much inherited now what, uh, what, what, what my original business partner founded. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. Okay. So I want to cover a few more things about your journey. So I have five, let's say quick questions because I want to save time for real estate investing. So awesome. first, it. can you tell us about your top strategy you use to build your business? Uh, delegation. De- <laughs> Love it. <laughs> 100%. I, uh, you see shelves behind me here, Laura. Mm-hmm. Um, you see mics, like even literally put together the wiring, all that kind of stuff. I touch none of that. I leave a lot of money on the table, meaning I, I, I pay for a lot of stuff. Um, why? Because I just believe that I don't have fun doing any of this stuff, but my time is worth a lot more. And I, like I said, I like doing podcasts. I like doing videos. I like doing all the content. I need to be on the phone. I don't own a computer, Laura. Like I don't, I don't own, I'm doing this on my cell phone. I do everything on my phone, on my Android. The Note 10 is the only thing that I use. Um, I got rid of a computer laptop three, two and a half, three years ago. The best thing I ever did. I don't need to worry about the batteries and change all that. Like I don't do anything. I don't write long emails. I write everything in a subject line, right? I write everything in a subject line. And, and look, and, and some of the things I do waste time, like some would say, well, that's kind of a waste of time. Like, if, if you and I need to talk, I would say in the subject line, hey, Laura, when's a good time to get on a call? Now, most people can just write a long email, but for me, it takes up a lot of energy for me to write paragraphs and, and write proper sentence structure. That's not who I am. And so I just decided to have an assistant, Luke, amazing, amazing, uh, a 20 year old. And I get to, I get to teach him. He gets to learn from me. I'm learning from him as well because he is very techie and he has some other skill sets. Uh, but I just pay him and, and do I make less money? Yeah. But I have a lot more fun doing it. That's amazing. Yeah. I like that strategy. Delegation, everyone. What was the biggest setback you had to overcome? Uh, my partner passing away uh, almost three years ago. He was uh, uh, my, not only my business partner, he was my mentor, uh, an older brother. I have two older brothers, as I mentioned. He was like my third older brother. I was his right-hand man for 13 years or call it, uh, yeah, 13 years. Um, and uh, definitely him passing away. He passed away tragically and uh, I was lost for a bit. I didn't know what I was going to do, how I was going to do it. Um, but I'm, I'm, I'm happy to say I know he's watching down, very proud. Um, we didn't, a lot of people come around the office and say, oh my God, you guys have taken this to another level and this is amazing all the media that you that you produce I just think we did it differently I did it I was able to do it the way I wanted to do it I wanted to produce massive amount of content 20 pieces of content a day I think that's fair to say that in the real estate space in the country there's nobody doing it there's people on the state side that I think are doing it bigger than us um, and that's always fun to play that game to try to see how we can do it better um, but but uh, I don't think there was anyone in the country that's doing it and uh, it really 
I really had to dig deep. I had to dig deep on how I was going to do something differently um, and why. Like, why was I continuously, like, why did I want to pursue it? And once I figured out that I wanted to, I wanted to leave a legacy myself, but I also wanted him to be proud. And, and, and so that keeps me going every day. Those five, 10, 15 failures a day, I generally don't let them stick with me for too long. I know that I failed. I take a lesson out of it and I move on. I'm sorry about your partner passing, but yeah. I'm glad to see uh, how well you're doing right now. So thank that's you. Awesome. What do you think is the biggest misconception people have about making money in real estate? Uh, that it happens overnight, that you can do it really quickly. Um, hmm. I've dealt with thousands, uh, thousands upon thousands of investors. Um, and the ones that I have seen win, they just play the long game. See, mm -hmm. real, uh, wealth in real estate is created in the long term. You can get rich. Like 10 it. years? Yeah, I, that's a great year. That's bang on, Laura. I like to think of real estate in a 10-year window. Mm -hmm. um, because you can, you can get some massive appreciation because of the marketplace, but you also get a lot of, excuse me, mortgage pay down and you get every real estate cycles usually run every 10 years or so. So when the market dips, that's when real estate goes on sale. Like people run, go crazy. If Holt Renfrew or Banana Republic have a 10% off sale. But when real estate goes on sale, everyone gets scared. When the market goes up, more people get in, into the market. Like it's a little odd how that works. Mm -hmm. The ones that I see win, what they do is when the market goes up, they refinance the money out of those properties so they can buy more for when the market dips a little bit. So in, to answer your question fully, it's the fact that they think it happens overnight. We have a whole refinancing thing. I hope we get into that later because I still can't wrap my mind around it, but we'll get into it. We'll get into it. I got, I got you, girl. Don't worry. Okay. So five ways, before we get into the five ways of winning in real estate, I want to know if you just had to leave people with one tip, what would be your one tip for people who want to invest in real estate? If they want to invest in real estate, mm -hmm. buy it and wait. Okay. Even if it's one property? Wait. Yeah, one property. One property can change your life. One property can change your life. It doesn't sound like a lot. In fact, um, there's a lot of people think you need $7,500 or whatever it is. That's all nice. It's great. Awesome. Be ambitious. Shoot for the, you know, the moon and all that kind of stuff. But just do one first. Like just, mm -hmm. just do one. And, and if you never, and I know you mentioned refinance and we'll get into that. Even if you never refinance it, here's what happens in the greater Toronto area. Every 10 years, that's another reason why I love 10 years, especially in the greater Toronto area. If you look back at the last 100 years, every decade, so every 10 years, Laura, values doubled on average. In Toronto. The last 10 years, in, in the greater Toronto area. Mm -hmm. okay? So just black and white numbers, like not me forecasting or guessing or anything like that. I don't have, I don't, I left my crystal ball at home. Okay, so, but this is, true, this, yeah, <laughs> this is true facts. Every, for the last hundred years, every 10 years, if you look at a graph, values doubled. Okay. Mm -hmm. On average, some years, some, some decades, they may be, you'll see the graph dip a little bit, very rare, but, but this past decade, they three and a half X value. So that's why on average they double. And so because of that, if you can just buy it and wait, you'll win. 
So because knowing in, in a 20 year period, going back to what I was saying about, even if you don't refinance, if you just buy it and do nothing and just rent it out, or if mm -hmm. you live in it, whatever it is, I'm talking more about investing. So rent it out. Mm -hmm. Someone else is going to pay off your mortgage in say 25 years. So you amortize it over 25 years. And, but you're going to have something that's worth four times what you bought it. So you bought something at $500,000. This is going to sound weird to everybody who's listening. 20 years from now, it's going to be worth $2 million because it's going to, that's 20 years, right? And so in 10 years, it's going to go to a million and then a million mm -hmm. to two. That's what's going to happen now. Bread, or let's use gas, because I know it off the top of my head. I just put in gas today. If there was a buck eighty today, a dollar eighty. Mm -hmm. Gas is gonna be, gas is gonna be for. Uh, it's gonna be closer to say three and a half to four dollars probably. There's inflation mm -hmm. that just happens, right? So the two million dollars in uh, uh, twenty years from now, it's not gonna be worth what two million is now. However, if our, let's just use our parents for example, and, and I'm very grateful and blessed for what my parents have done for us. They came to Canada. They gave me the best, best gift that anybody could have given me. However, let's just say 20 years ago, my parents bought something for a hundred thousand mm -hmm. dollars. Okay. That now would be worth 500,000. Okay. Not the same of what $500,000 is worth today than what it was worth 20 years ago. But I would still be like, thanks, mom and dad. You gave me a condo worth 500 Gs. Like today's 500 Gs, I'm all good. I think everybody would attest that they would be happy as well. And so mm -hmm. that's why I say just buy it and wait. Don't wait to buy it. And that doesn't mean acting quickly doesn't mean acting stupidly. Okay. Mm -hmm. And so, and so like what I see a lot of investors do a lot of the, the, one of the biggest mistakes is they say, okay, let me think about it and run the numbers. But real estate, you can do a little slightly different than buying a pair of shoes or something that doesn't have a return policy. What you can do is you can buy it and tie it up. You make it conditional. You make it, you, you, you put in the offer, the agreement of purchase and sale that it's conditional upon lawyer, Laura's lawyer's approval. I just wanted a tongue twister there. So I yeah. to that. <laughs> you did it. <laughs> okay. uh, to make it uh, a conditional upon your lawyer's approval or financing, or if it's a home, an inspection, but at least you tied it up for five business days, 10 business days. Within that time, that's when you do the due diligence. You don't do the due diligence first and then try to tie it up because 80%, 90% of the time, while you're doing the due diligence and you didn't tie it up, somebody's already scooped it up. Yeah, the market is crazy. That's why I had to ask you if it was saturated because I know what it's like out there. It's madness. Yeah. So Now, in certain areas, not all areas are the same, even within like Toronto proper. I think the biggest question that I get on a daily basis, 10 times a day is how's the market like right now? And I understand when people are asking it, it makes sense, but I always, I always have to answer it and I'm not trying to be sarcastic about it, but I always answer about which market. Cause even within the, forget the greater Toronto area now, let's go mm -hmm. condense into Toronto. When you think about Toronto, there's probably off the top of my head, four to 500 four to 500 micro markets. So for example, the downtown condo market on the Harbor front is totally different than, than, than the distillery district condo market. 
The condo market in the distillery district is totally different than Yorkville. Yorkville market is totally different than the Don Mills market. So there's so many little micro markets that mm -hmm. you have to, so not all are crazy. Some areas are, are, are definitely hotter. They're hot, they're hot beds. Like if you look at a home in, in, Le in, in Leslieville or Leaside or Lawrence Park, that you are going to find that there's not many homes on the market, but people want to live in those areas. Why? Because of the, 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 the location and proximity to transit, to shopping, to the school district. So there's a lot of families wanting to live in the area. There's not a lot of homes on the market. When one home comes up, five people bid on it, 14 people bid on it. But if you go into another area, just outside of Toronto, for example, excuse me, into Richmond Hill right now, there's more listings than there is buyers. Huh. And so you're not gonna, it's not going to be as crazy. It's yeah. not going to be as crazy because why? Buyers have more choice. So we always look at, we like a market indicator that I personally like to look at is, is months of inventory. That always tells me, I'm in, am I in a buyer's market, uh, a balanced market, or a seller's market? That will, that will also then tell me what's going to happen with values. So by inventory, you mean like the days they are on the market? So very close to that. And so what months of inventory tells us that if like right now, right today, uh, um, at the time of this recording, we look at how many homes are actually on the market. So how many mm -hmm. listings are there? If based on the month previous, how, uh, uh, how many homes and condos sold, if no new homes or condos hit the market, how much supply do we have? How much inventory do we have? So today, right now in the greater Toronto area, and this is, again, it's a massive market. We're talking 75 kilometer radius. You're looking at um, slightly under two months of inventory. What that tells us is that we're still in a seller's market because anything from zero to three months, you're in a seller's market. Three to six months of inventory, you're in a balanced market. Six months and above, you're in a buyer's market. And so we're still sitting in a seller's market. When you're in a seller's market, values will continue to appreciate. And so for the last month, that's what we have stats for, not July. Uh, those will be out in a couple of days. But in June, values increased. The price of homes compared to the year before, so 2020 June compared to 2019 June, that uh, home values increased by 11.3% in the height, in the middle of a pandemic. <sighs> Why? We have so many people coming in and we don't have enough inventory, supply and demand. That is crazy. That is crazy. It's Great continue. facts though. Thank you. I appreciate that. I, uh, um, and if anybody who's listening, you ever want like your specific your specific uh, uh, stats for like your market because you're in Oakville. Uh, again, Oakville is totally different than Oshawa market. Um, just email us wherever, just ask Laura. There's probably in the show, show descriptions. I'll get that information for you. Yeah. Okay. Now I want to dive in to the five ways you can win in real estate. And the first one is cash flow. Mm -hmm. Does that mean you need to have cash flow? Does definitely, that mean definitely in my your opinion, own your own money, yeah. right? Well, no. So what I mean, what 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 I like to talk about when it comes into because you don't need your own money, so that's definitely not what I'm looking for. I'm looking for cash flow, meaning does my rental income when I'm invested mm -hmm. and when I rent out this property, the home, the condo, does the rental income cover my expenses? 
what's my expenses? And I'll, I'll, I'll talk about both home and condo. If you have a mortgage payment, you have a property tax. If it's a condo, you have condo fees. Either way, you have home insurance. Even if it's a condo, the mm -hmm. condo has building insurance, but there's a component of you needed to make sure your unit is insured as well. All of that, let's just say that comes to $2,000 a month, okay? Is what I'm renting this property out for going to cover that $2,000? And as long as I'm getting 2000 I don't even care if it's uh, only $2,000. I don't want it to be 1700 because now I got to put $300 out of my own pocket. Okay. Mm -hmm. There's a slight advantage to that. But when I know there is properties in the greater Toronto area where that $2,000 of expenses is covered, I don't want to put any money of, of my own money into the property. I want the, all of that rental income to cover my expensive expenses. That's what I, that's when we're talking about cash flow. That's what we're talking about. Do you, um, I'm thinking of the expenses. You didn't mention taxes or taxes. No, oh, okay. Okay. Taxes. Okay. Yeah. Oh, property, property taxes. taxes. Okay. Yeah. Condo fees and insurance for sure. Property taxes is a big one because property yeah. taxes can be four or five hundred dollars a month, right? And that's why I yeah. want to make sure that the rental income. It's why I love investing because somebody else is paying down all my. Because the big one is the mortgage. And yeah. Out of the mortgage, there's two components to a mortgage payment. There's principal and there's interest. What mm -hmm. I'm looking for is how much of my principal is being paid down, and that's the second way that you win in real estate is is um, by principal recapture. Not to steal your thunder by asking me what would be the second way, Laura. So <laughs> I want to. Uh, that 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 is the second way that you win in real estate because somebody else is paying down your principal. So when you rent out a property mm -hmm. on average on average you're paying down uh, sorry the tenant is paying down eight to ten thousand dollars a year of your principal on your mortgage like how nice is that you're not doing <laughs> what somebody else is doing they're giving you a bag full of 10 grand every single year but in cash flow i thought that meant cash flow is in to make the down payment no. So, 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 so the down payment is, is exactly that. Like as an investor, not if you're going to, if you're going to live in it, you can do yeah, it. Yeah. As an investor. Cause let's as say, an investor, you gotta put, yep. I was going to say, let's put me in the example where I buy awesome. something in Brampton for $400,000, like you said. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I thought when I first saw cash flow, that cash flow was like that 20% that you have to put down, no, but it's not. No. No, that's your down payment as an investor. Yeah. You gotta, so the lenders, the lending requirements is that you put down 20%. So on your $400,000 example, you're going to put down $80,000. Mm -hmm. The other $320,000 is going to come through a mortgage. So okay? somehow I have to get that $80,000 first. You get a little bit more than, to be exact, Laura, you're going to be, you're, you're going to be paying a little bit more than $80,000. If you're buying it in Brampton, um, uh, if it's in Toronto, it's slightly more. You got to look at what your closing costs are. So you got to pay, mm, yeah. if, it's a, if, if, if it's not your first time doing it, you got to pay what's called welcome to Ontario tax, which is the provincial land transfer tax. If you, if you were buying in Toronto, there's a welcome to Toronto tax as well, mm. which is goes to the pay, uh, which is payable to the city of Toronto. But here in Brampton, as your example, then you're only paying the one provincial tax. You're also paying the lawyer's fees. So I think it's safe to say on, the, on your $400,000 purchase, all in cash required to close, you're looking at say 90,000. Okay, so I have to have that 90000 before doing the principal recapture and all that stuff because I have to get approved by the bank. 
Yeah, so you gotta you gotta okay. put so, so so the ninety the ten thousand is closing cost. The bank mm -hmm. needs to make sure that you have that, but they're not gonna lend you money on for that ten thousand. You need mm -hmm. to have that in the account. The other uh, eighty thousand, which is the twenty percent down, mm -hmm. you have to have that now. Mm -hmm. That doesn't need to come from your own money necessarily. That's what I was talking about. It doesn't need to be your own money. You Tell can me do more. this a couple of <laughs> Exactly. So you can do this through a line of credit, like a home. If you owned another home, remember I talked to you about refinancing. Mm -hmm. If that home or that condo is worth was is worth five hundred thousand, um, and it's and, and you have a three hundred thousand dollar mortgage on it, you can get a line of credit on that home or condo and use it for another property. So that's not your money. That's a line of credit that the bank is giving you. Okay. Mm -hmm. You also can do a joint venture. You can say, Hey, uh, uh, you have a friend, Joe and say, Joe, let's, let's do this together. You put in 45 G's, I'll put in 45 G's because the 90,000 with the closing costs. So it's not all your own money. Mm -hmm. Okay. You, if this is a, maybe you're the first time that you're going to get in to the market and you're not, and say you're renting right now. Okay. Another strategy is you don't have to do it with 20% down. What you could do is buy a home that has two units, mm -hmm. upstairs and a basement, rent out the basement apartment. I uh, sorry, rent out the top and live in the basement apartment because then you can rent out the top more than you can to the basement apartment. It will cover more of your expenses. And most importantly, you don't have to do it with 20% down because you're not, you're not, it's not an, it's not deemed as an investment deal or an income property. Now you are actually living in it. So it's your principal residence and you can do that with 10% down. So you could do it with less money. Okay. Mm -hmm. The other thing is, the other thing is, is, as I said, you don't need your own money. If you're bringing a deal, you, so the question becomes, okay, I need 80,000. Forget the closing costs for a second. Mm -hmm. I need 80,000. Okay. Now, it, like there might be thousands upon thousands of people that listen to this podcast. You need eight of them to put in $10,000 each. Mm -hmm. and you, do, you do a joint venture. You didn't put any money in. Now you might say, or somebody who's watching or listening, I'd say, well, why the heck would I want Laura part of the deal then? Well, because she brought the deal and she's going to manage it. She's going to do this, the renovations. She's going to bring in the tenants. She brought the actual deal to the table. Now, does it work with eight, nine people? Yeah, I've seen it work. And is it a lot of headache? Yeah, it's also a lot of headache. So then you need four people to come up with $20,000 each. Because mm -hmm. <laughs> four people, it's easier to manage. Lots, lots of ways to get, exactly. Um, um, but it's also easy. It might be easier to get eight people to give you 10000 Like, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I just want, I want people's heads turning from, mm -hmm. the, from the perspective of, don't worry about the how. The how will always show up. It's what and why that we always need to ask ourselves. What do you want and why do you want it? Because when it gets tough, it's the why that's going to keep you going. The how is around us. See, our job is to get in front of opportunities, not just real estate opportunities, and opportunities in life. People are always looking, when's the next opportunity? They're everywhere, just get in front of them. But it's, it, it's, it, you got to tell your brain what you want to look for. Long before Google started, we have it in our brain. It's called a reticular activator system. Like I'm, I'm picking up a new car and I, and I, I think, I thought, sorry, that, that I'm doing it custom. Like I'm doing some custom stuff to it. And not that I'm a big car guy by any means, but I just wanted to. And, and I was like, oh, man, nobody's going to have this. I did this three days ago. Never seen this car. 
before. In the last three days, I've seen two of them exactly the way that I'm getting them. <laughs> they were there before. It's just mm-hmm. that my brain wasn't looking for them. And it's, it's the exact same with opportunities. Once you start to tell your brain what you're looking for, it will find the opportunities. It's not that, oh my God, how is the, the $80,000 going to come about? It's that you need to come up with $80,000. The right people and the circumstances, you'll get slapped in the face with them. Mm-hmm. For the listeners, I just want to recap. If you're interested in real estate, it's possible. Focus Definitely. Focus on why you're doing it and then everything else will follow. It will always follow. It will always come back into play. It will always come to, come to fruition because mm-hmm. that's just how it works. Like yeah. attracts like. <laughs> I love that. Okay, so we talked about cash flow. We talked about principal recapture. The next one is active appreciation. So, so that's what you mentioned before, right? Like the 10 years. It no, so that, yeah, so that's, so, so, so that t- every 10 years in the greater Toronto area prices double, that's passive mm-hmm. appreciation. That oh. happens passively. That just happens with the marketplace. Okay. So that's, excuse me, the third way that you win is passive appreciation, okay. but you kind of need a crystal ball with that, right? Because, because mm-hmm. nobody really knows. It is safe to say that, a hundred years is a big sample size. I'm not talking about the last two, three years. I'm talking about the last hundred years. Every mm-hmm. every decade uh, values are going to double. So I think it's safe to say that that's going to continue to happen. Okay. So that's your third way that you win passive appreciation. The fourth way that you win is active appreciation. That is purchasing uh, a bungalow, for example, that doesn't have a basement apartment and adding a basement apartment. You're going to you're going to do it for thirty forty call it forty thousand dollars, but homes in that area in Brampton. Let's choose Brampton again, okay? Um, if it, homes in that area, when you have a basement apartment, sell for eighty thousand mm-hmm. dollars. But because you spent forty thousand, and and they and they sell for eighty thousand, you actively appreciated the value of that home by forty thousand dollars. You put in forty. And the values in that area go up by 80. So the difference is 40,000. You actively appreciated the value. Can you actively appreciate the value of a home by just redoing the kitchen? Yes, you can. Okay. Definitely. Because I see that on HDTV. Yes. Now, (laughs) just be careful because I have a lot of friends who are hosts and on, t- on like they're stars of that show mm-hmm. and just and like they've been on my podcast you'll hear them you'll see them and they always laugh i think the biggest mistake is everybody thinks that, that it happens in 22 minutes like it doesn't <laughs> yeah. work like that and yeah. more importantly and more importantly they actually uh, uh they actually have a full-fledged team and a mm-hmm. lot of experience so just understand that if it's your first time at the rodeo just make sure that you build out a really good team around you um, mm-hmm. um and yes you can do it with the kitchen and bathroom but you got to do a taste like it has to be tasteful uh, yeah. um, not all just because you did some renovations to the kitchen or something like that that doesn't mean that you actively appreciate it you got to look at what's going on in the area Okay. And the last one is tax strategies. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah. So, so when you, when you, for example, refinance a property, one of the best things that happen is, is legally because you don't sell, because you're not selling anything. See, when you buy a home and rent it out and then sell it, you have to pay capital gains. You have to pay tax. The government Mm -hmm. wants their cut. Okay. However, when you rent, when you uh, rent, like buy, a, invest into a home or a condo, rent it out, 
and you refinance it, you go to the bank and say, it's worth this much, my mortgage is this much now, I want 80% of the equity. That's, that's, that's the difference between what something is worth and how much you owe on it. The middle piece is called equity. The bank's gonna lend you that money, it goes into your account tax-free. Because you didn't sell anything, the government doesn't tax you on anything. And so hmm. it's one of the only legal ways that in this country anyways, that you don't pay tax, okay? The other thing as an investor, when you're renting out properties, you're a business owner. And so when you go drive to the apartment or the home, when you do renovations, um, um, even the gas when you're driving to the property, all those you can use as write-offs against your, your, your personal income that you're receiving from a job or a salaried position. You can actually use those as write-offs, which a lot of us need other ways to pay less tax. I'm not trying to get away from paying tax. I just want to try to pay a little bit of less tax if I can. And I want to do it legally, everything above board. And so those are tax strategies that are put into place by the government because you're providing housing. Mm-hmm. So let's say I have a duplex and I'm living or a home, like you said before, I'm living in the basement and I'm renting out the top. And now suddenly I want to move and now I'm renting out both floors. That changes things in like, does that change things in the taxes and the equity? Uh, well, so, so note in the equity, uh, the equity part of your question for the mm -hmm. taxes, if you decide to sell it five years down the road after you've left it, you are going to get charged capital gains on on that from that time period of when you moved out. So the government says, when did you move out? You moved out in 2020. Okay, okay cool. Now it's 2025. The extra uh, appreciation in that last five years is what you're going to pay tax on. But you got to prove that you lived there. Yeah, but you don't have to pay taxes as long as you're still providing the homes. Like if you're still renting both out, both yes. of the levels, right? Then you're not paying any taxes because you don't okay. sell anything. As oh, long as you perfect. don't sell it. As long, that's why, and I know it sounds weird as a real estate agent to hear this from me, but I always tell people, do not sell your homes. It's how, mm -hmm. I, it's how we make money. But we, like, when, 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 even when you're living in a home and then you want a bigger home or a smaller home, we try to see, can we refinance and keep on renting out this property and mm -hmm. then go live in another property? Because that's how you can create long-term wealth by holding on to the properties. I think in 15 years, Laura, the, 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 what I hear the most is I wish I had. Mm -hmm. It's why our slogan for REC Canada is I'm glad I did because we just want to try to help people change it. Like, I wish I had kept it. I wish I bought more. I wish I wish like all that. Like, it's just like, well, let's try to at least in our circle as, as, as a part of our REC family, we're trying to keep people, we're trying to keep people from selling their properties because we just know the wealth that gets created by holding on to them. When you can, I understand sometimes we get into cash crunches or the numbers just don't make sense to hold on to it. That's a different story. Mm -hmm. But I feel like people are so quick on, I need to sell this right now, where I think we can hold, we can try at least get a little creative. And it's not even that, it's not like, like it's not that much creativity that's involved. It's just speaking to the right people. Okay. I'm going to ask you a personal question because I'm very sure. curious. Awesome. How many real estate properties do you have? I have seven properties that I own and rent right now. And then I'm part of two joint ventures as well. Ooh. My goal is to get 10, I have two kids. My goal is to get to 10 properties each for them. Um, if I give it to them or not is a different story. <laughs> depends how they treat me. Um, mm -hmm. um, but uh, there is one better investment than real estate. 
um, and, and, and that's the investment in yourself. Um, I have just decided in the last couple of years, I've, I've invested in a property, uh, actually two properties in the last two years, but I've been putting all my eggs in, in the jazz basket because um, I just truly, I truly believe I'm going to bring myself the highest ROI, the return on investment on myself. And so mm-hmm. that's why I continue to invest right back into me, into my business. Um, and along the way, I'm making, you know, every, every two years, I like to buy something. That's what, that's what my objective is. My, my guy, my little boys um, are six and four. Mm-hmm. And so we all got a lot of time. I'm 38 years old right now. And I'm just not in a rush. I'm not in a rush to um, uh, uh, build out my portfolio. I know I'm going to do it over time. My real estate portfolio. I'm also not in a rush to build out my business. Like I know there's other shortcuts that people take and like, this is not me dogging on anybody, like each to your own. Um, I'm just not into shortcuts. That's not who I am. Um, mm-hmm. um, I like to do the long, painful road because I know it's the one that's less traveled. And I'm not trying to just use a play on words here. There's just really not much competition for me because I'm not playing in every other one, everybody else's field. Like mm-hmm. I come to work in a t-shirt every single day. I don't leave. I don't show homes. I don't do any of that. I stay here at this desk. This is where I, you'll see all the videos, 90% of them are with the same background in the same, t- like not the exact same t-shirt. I do change the t-shirt. <laughs> it just looks the same mm-hmm. and I'm authentic. Like I'm just going to be myself and people are going to listen to this and they're going to say, this guy's full of shit and I don't like him. That's awesome. And and, and him and I, uh, we're not, I'm not going to connect with those people and that's okay. They didn't waste their time. They didn't waste mine. Um, I'm looking for the people that want to connect and, and that's going to happen over time. How old were you when you bought your first property? I was twenty-five. Oh, very nice. In Brampton, and, in oh, really? Brampton. I'm East Indian. If you can tell where all the other paisans live. <laughs> I honestly, I just picked Brampton out of nowhere. It was just the first one that came to mind. I'm just like, whoa, okay. <laughs> uh, um, I went to Brampton. Wow, it's been 12 years almost now. Yeah. It's been about Crazy. 12 years, but I'm born and raised in Rexham. That's, that, that's where my heart is at, for sure. Just before ending this interview, Jazz, and I've had a lot of fun and I've learned a lot, we are called the No Formula Podcast, okay? Because there is no formula to success. If you had to create your own formula to how you got to where you are today, what would your formula be? It would be um, surround yourself with positive people. And so the reason being, because if, if you hang around with five negative people, you're going to become number six. If you, if you hang around with five very optimist, uh, optimist people, uh, positive people, uh, inspiring people, you're going to be number six. And so you are who you hang out with and who you spend time with. It also speaks to, to, to shutting out the noise, like all the negativity that's around. You can turn on a TV channel, you can open up a newspaper, go on a website. There's a lot of negativity around, but there's also a lot of positivity around. Like yourself, Laura, just you smiling could change someone's day. The second I came on, I knew I had to bring on energy because you had this huge smile on your face and you inspired me to 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 want to give more. And so, yes, there's a lot of negativity happening, especially right now at the time of this recording. Like 
we're kind of out of a pandemic. We're not even sure if we are, if we're not, whatever that happens and mm -hmm. whatever happens. There's a lot of, to our friends to the south of us, there's a lot of uh, um, civil unrest and things that are happening. And so there's a lot of negativity. But if you look for the positivity to what I was speaking to earlier, like attracts like, your brain will find what you need, what you look for. And so if you look for the good in people, you'll find it, but you need to start looking for it. And so my formula would be shut out the noise and do that by surrounding yourself with positive and uplifting people. If you just have that, it's one of the best foundations to start with. You can make a lot of money and, and you'll figure out ways. There's courses and a billion times, like billion upon billions of videos on how to do that. But if you, if, if you don't find a way to shut out that noise and surround yourself, I think, I think you're going to have a tough time. And so that, that'd be my formula. I love that. Well, thank you so much for being here in the No Formula podcast and sharing your wisdom. And I'm sure we're going to keep in touch. <laughs> A hundred percent. Laura, thank you so much. I, I know how hard it is to produce content and do podcasts and stuff like that. Um, I've been on 30, 40 uh, podcasts in the last, I don't know, 50 days, 60 days or something like that. Um, and I got to tell you, your, your, your questions, uh, the way that you hosted was amazing. I would love to do this again with you. Um, and if you like, just thank you for putting out positivity and optimism. Thank you. Oh, thank you. I'm so glad you had fun. And yeah, we'll definitely do another episode on your podcast on my podcast. Sure. Either one is good. Love it. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Before ending this episode, I want to summarize key takeaways from my conversation with Jazz. First, the five ways to win at real estate include cash flow, principal recapture, active appreciation, passive appreciation, and tax strategies. Two, Jazz specifically mentioned that one property can change your life. You just need to be patient and think long-term wealth. Three, when looking for an investment, consider the supply and demand of the market as well as the months of inventory. You can find the show notes at noformulapodcast.com. Thanks so much for listening, everyone.